going to speak about power today, kingdom power, developing kingdom power at one level. I'm just going to, you can sit if you want for like two seconds because you're going to get right back up after this one sentence. So do what you need to do. At one level, you can't develop it. It's a gift from God. At the other level, it's something that we need to develop. And so, stand if you want. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 14. And we're just going to be another moment or two, and then you can sit for the next two hours. Um, so, First Chronicles 29. No, I promise you it won't be that long, unless, wow. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 14. David praised the Lord. Man, you can just stop right there and just, David praised the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt, to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we shall be able to give as generous, generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Amen? Amen. And again, we're going to speak about power and focus on power, developing kingdom power. And there's three areas of power I'd like to address today. Natural power, supernatural power, kingdom power. And while we do this, we must also look at where does this power come from and also how is this power to help us and, and work with us and, and our families. And finally, what is our responsibility once we have this power or once we start to understand what this power is all about? Let's pray. Father God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you will continue to be with us and bless us, O oh God. Yours, O oh Lord, is greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and splendor for everything in heaven and everything in earth and everything seen and unseen is yours, O oh God. And so we give you praise. We give you Thanksgiving, oh God, and we just bless your name, oh God. Holy, holy, holy is your name. We just love you today, oh God. Open up our minds, open up our hearts, open up our thinkings, oh God, to conform to your will, oh God, not to the patterns of this world, but to your patterns, oh God, to your processes, oh God. Open up our hearts to receive from you today, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated, hallelujah. So... From the onset of this message, we must understand that all power comes from the Lord. Everything that is belongs to Him. All glory goes to Him and all power comes from Him. He's the one who gives it out. He's the one who gives out the gifts and the abilities and, and the talents. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Him. Our wealth, our wisdom, our understanding, our life, our power, it all belongs to Him. He, he distributes that power as he desires. It belongs to him because it comes from him. Now we are to steward it. We are to steward all things. We are to steward all things well. 
Whatever the Lord gives us, from the Garden of Eden to the Rocky Mountains to the depths of the sea, whatever the Lord has given us, we are to steward it and steward it well from sea to shining sea and beyond. Amen. God has placed us on earth and has given us power and dominion. He's given us power and authority and we are to use it rightly and wisely to manage what has been set before us. And think about this for a moment. Whatever we, whatever we give to Him already belongs to Him. Amen. So we're just giving it back. We're stewards and servants. And we're just giving it back to Him. So when you give your tithe, it belongs to Him already. When you give your offerings, well, that belongs to Him already too. When you dedicate and devote your children unto Him, that already belongs unto Him. Your works. All your works. Whatever you do should be devoted and dedicated unto Him because all your talents and abilities and resources come from Him. And that is why He can say, we rob Him when we hold on to our finances, when we hold on to our children so tightly and dearly, uh, when we control those things, we can try to control all these things. But when we release it properly and unto the Lord and timely unto the Lord in obedience, Unto the Lord, we're blessed. We're blessed. When we work unto the Lord, we're blessed. And we do what He says and follow His will and His ways. We're blessed. Can you say we're blessed? blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. Obedience pays off long term. And when we use our power and authority and resources, we're blessed. So God pays us high yielding dividends. When we obey his word, follow his will and ways. And David understood this. David understood that the work, his work and his abilities and, and those of the people of God to give, to be generous, to help others, uh, to build his temple, all comes from the Lord. Every ounce of it comes from the Lord. So the Lord empowers us, not for selfish motives or selfish gains, but to benefit others in the process. To set examples to others, to lead others and point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk about power, natural power, outward and invisible displays of power. What is power? Power is the ability to, to act, produce, and affect possessions of control, authority, or influence over others. Power is potential, it's energy, the ability to do something. And now when we look in a little bit to Acts chapter 1, specifically verse 8, and when we read about the day of Pentecost, chapter uh, 2 of Acts, when we read about the book of Acts in general, we'll see displays of God's power and authority. Dunamis power. And that power is really of a, an explosive power. And we get that word dynamite, dunamis, dynamite from that. In fact, uh, dynamic or dynamite can really mean mighty works. Or wonderful works and dynamite or dunamis or dynamis power is really uh, power potential power not fully realized at times power there's more to come there's more to come and as we see in the in the book of Acts uh, the move of God was powerful and it was explosive and it helped jumpstart the early church but it didn't end there God's dunamis power is still active Today, it's still active today through us and for us, and there's more to come. 
There's more to come, church. There's more to come. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. But there's natural power that flows through us. It flows through our bodies. Our bodies are living beings where we have an energy, we have a potential, we have power, we have, it's, it's in us, right? It's like running water. Running water is powerful. Wind and waves, powerful. We see the sun giving off such great heat and great energy. In fact, all the stars, to my knowledge, give off heat and energy. Uh, by the way, our, our sun happens to be, S-U-N, happens to be 93 million miles away from the earth and the nearest star is Proxima Centauria, almost 25 trillion miles away. I don't know about you, but that's mind blowing. Can you imagine the power of God, the all knowing power of God, right? He is holding this all together by his powerful word. When we look at the natural world, we cannot miss the visible display of power. If you go to Niagara Falls and you see that water gushing over the side of that, that mountain or whatever it's happening, you just see the power of it flowing or a volcano erupting, right? Or a tsunami or, or some kind of twister or tidal wave. Power. There's so much power. And God created all that power. Psalms 145 speaks about uh, all of this, all of His creation Praising Him, they will tell of the glory of your kingdom, speak of your power or your might. God has created the heavens and the earth and everything that's seen and unseen. And it was done through His Spirit. Genesis 1 verse 2 says, And the earth was without form, void and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the sun, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things through His powerful Word. And so God the Father at work at creation. We see Jesus and the Holy Spirit at work in creation. And when we look at nature, we see the power of God being displayed. Visible power of God. We also see the raw power of man. Right? I know we got some heavy lifters up here. They can lift like trucks, they're so strong. <laughs> Power, powerful men, powerful people. We see the running of an animal, powerful. We see the lion roaring. And we see the elephant moving trees and boulders and, and just powerful. We see the power of love and life being displayed through humans. But we also see the power right, of destruction, of war, and rumors of war, and words that are, that are cutting as if it cut you with a knife, and how it can take a life and cause death and harm and ruin one's reputation. We see the power of sin, the effects of sin, not only on the planet, but on us, people. And we speak, we'll speak more about that, and the effects of sin and how to overcome its powerful grip. And, and that will only happen as we yield to the Holy Spirit convincing power and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. To convict sinners back towards God or towards God. And so we have natural power. We have supernatural power. Supernatural power. Which deals with inward and spiritual um, power of the Holy Spirit as well as the spirit realm. Which also includes angels and demons. And we also know there are other angelic beings that, that exist. Like in Genesis 
chapter 3, there was the cherubim and, the, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. And then we go to the book of Revelation, chapter 4, and we see a powerful picture of heaven in the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with, with eyes in the front and in the back. The first living creature was a, like a lion. The second creature was like an ox. The third was like the face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. I love eagles. But this is some creature with eyes all over. But the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures and six wings and was covered with eyes all around them and under their wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And by the way, uh, for, for us to worship, we must worship in spirit and in truth. We must see God. And the clearer we start to see God, the more knowledge that we have of God, the greater understanding that we have of God, the greater the worship will be released in us and through us. Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah, we can do better than that, church. Because we got to start releasing what's inside of us. Must start coming outside of us. Yeah. Hallelujah. What we're going to be talking about is power, but I'm not just saying manpower. I'm saying Holy Spirit power yeah. needs to start be moving and operating in us and through us. Yeah. Hallelujah. We can talk boldly and powerfully, but that still doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is moving and operating. Anyway, we'll get to that. These creatures in heaven never, never, never stop worshiping God. They never stop saying holy, 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 holy. Holy, it's the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Yeah. Colossians 1, 15 through 16 speaks about Jesus and, and visible and invisible things and says, He's the image of the invisible God. First, first uh, Colossians 1, Colossians 1, 15 through 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by all things, by, by Him, all things are created. Things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were, were created by him, for him. Yeah. So the spirit realm is real. We know at salvation when you repent for your sins and, and you, you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. And you invite him to be Lord of your life. At that very moment, at that very I can't even, I don't even know how fast that is. At that very moment, I don't know if you get faster than that, blip, right? Even that's too slow. At that very moment, you're saved. Immediately saved, immediately born again, and immediately the Spirit of God dwells inside of you. At that very moment, you are changed and transformed by the power of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are transformed by the power of God, and the Spirit of God now dwells in you and is now alive in you. Bam! Just like that. Immediately. And even though you might not understand it, and even though you might not seem to be changed. I mean, I wish when I got saved, I lost 10 pounds. Doesn't work that way. But you are changed. There's something that happens. The Spirit in you becomes alive. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You might not always feel changed, but you are changed. There's a supernatural work of God that took place in you. Believe it because His Word of God says it. So you, by faith, you hold on to it and you believe it. Even the non-believer will say, oh, I got chills. There was something about that. I felt that. That's not natural. A supernatural thing has happened. Yeah. 
I believe that in my heart. And when we're experiencing the power of God, it should cause us to worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So we have natural power that can be seen. That is outward experience or outward power or outward manifestation. We have supernatural power that often is not seen. And this uh, is also a Holy Spirit work, that inward work, his inward work that takes place to transform a heart and person. The Holy Spirit power is what convinces and convicts a person of their sins and points them to Jesus. Hallelujah. It is not the preacher. It is not the minister of God. It is not eloquent words. It's not persuasive words. It is not being the most intelligent person or philosophical person that convinces a man. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God that operates in the heart, awakens the soul and transforms a heart and a life towards Jesus. But we must do our part. We have a part in it. We have a part in it. That's a yield to his work. It's not to resist the Holy Spirit. It's to follow his leading and his guiding and understand his truth. In fact, Spurgeon said it this way in referring to the heart and the will says, what is more stubborn than the heart? It's the will who will not easily be bent. In fact, the will is free to oppose God. It was the free will in the Garden of Eden that caused Adam and Eve to yield to a created being instead of the creator God. It is the free will that caused Cain to kill, to murder Abel. Genesis 4. Verses 6 through 8 tells us that the, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face so downcast? And you might go to work and you might see somebody who's just angry and downcast. I hope when you come to church angry and downcast that the spirit revives you and awakens you. And you place all your burdens at these altars and leave refreshed. Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what's right. You will be accepted. Will you not be accepted? You will be accepted. Will you not be accepted is how it says it? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Master that temptation. Master that sin. Work at your salvation. Don't just keep yielding in to, these, to the sin and the temptation that you have. That I have. That we have. Right? This is personal, church. This is not just... Boom, your way or your way. We all have to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Cain, verse 8, said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. We're just going to chill in the field a little bit. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. That's why you don't go to sleep on your anger. Don't go to bed angry, especially if you're, if you're married. Don't do it. Hit the pause button. Because while you're sleeping, you're meditating on things that you ought not to be meditating on. Put that peace treaty down and deal with it the next day. We have to stop. We have to start living what the Bible says and stop. Some of these things, we're just, we're harming ourselves, church. The power of God. We're free. We have free will to receive Jesus or not. He gives us power to choose life or death, to love or to hate. These are choices that we make. And our mind and our will so very powerful. You know that too. 
It is the will of the person that has had, had, had them to decide to do evil rather than to do good. In fact, that it seems like our flesh, right, doesn't even need an education. It just slants and leans towards doing evil and things that are naughty and not nice. You don't have to train a child to do something wrong. They just do it. And what about your imagination? How powerful is one's imagination? Use that creativity for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God. But how powerful is that imagination? The thoughts that are created, the things that are focused on, and the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh as well. Much of it seems to begin in the heart and in the mind of a man, but, it, but it's the imagination that starts to cause one to lust. We need the Holy Spirit to awaken us. We need the Holy Spirit to convict us. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us. Amen? Amen. Cover natural power and supernatural power. Let's pull this together and talk about kingdom power. Kingdom power. I'm not speaking about any type of power. I'm talking about kingdom power. The power of God. Kingdom of God. And we know that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that was involved in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. It's the same Spirit that will resurrect us as well one day. But only those who are alive in Christ Jesus will be with Him for eternity. So the Spirit of God was present at creation and took part in creation. It's by the Spirit's power that you are saved and transformed. And it's by the Spirit's power that you will do great things in the Lord. It's through the Spirit power awakening in you and working through you that you do great things for the Lord. All power comes from God. God is the source of all power and He gives His children a certain amount of power. First Chronicles, write this down, a couple of verses here. First Chronicles 29, 11 through 12. You, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor comes from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Psalms 68, verses 32 through 35. Sing to God. O kingdoms of the earth, sing praise to the Lord, to him who resides the ancient skies above, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the skies. You are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Isaiah 40. Verses 29 through 20, uh, 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar with, uh, on wings like eagles. They will run and they will not get weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hallelujah. Kingdom power comes from God. All power comes from God. God is the source of all power, and he gives his children a certain amount of power. First, it's important to understand the gospel message is powerful. The message of Christ Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the gospel message. Proclaim it. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
Because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jews, then for the Gentile. First uh, Corinthians 1, verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, to those that are saved, to those who receive Jesus, to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. There's power in the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all Scripture. All Scripture. Not some of the Scripture, not just the red writing Scripture, all Scripture. 66 books of the Bible, all Scriptures. God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You know, there's a word rebuking in there. People don't want to be rebuked. People don't want church discipline. They want to stay in the park and they want to play games, but they, they don't want... They don't want anyone to tell them what God's truth is. They want to continue living like they're living. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. So that the man of God, the person of God, might be thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. So a power that we receive from God, from the Holy Spirit, is not for selfish ambition or selfish motive or selfish gain. But to do godly works. To do works of service. We must get up and get out and do works of service. In the church, outside the church. Do works of service. So that the man, the person of God, is thoroughly equipped for every good work. Without the Holy Spirit, we're just spinning our wheels. It's like bad tires on cars on a ice on a, you know, on a frozen pond going nowhere fast. And if, if the ice, anyway, you, you get it. I just have an image of a car sinking in the water. In the you go nowhere, and if you're not careful, you die. Without the Holy Spirit, you will not accomplish much in your life. Oh, you might say, I accomplished much. But whatever that much was, was not enough. It was not good enough. If the Holy Spirit wasn't being moved and motivated and operating through you. So a Christian's power comes from God. A Christian's power comes from God and strengthens their inner being. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Strengthen you with your power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Amen. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. A Christian's power comes from God. In order to be a servant of God. Ephesians 3, 7-9 through 9 says, I became a servant of this gospel by this gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make plain, right there, we've had that conversation, make plain, it's made plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. It's plain to you. God's, God's, God is doing these things plainly so you can see it, so people are without excuses. And to make plain to everything, the, everyone the administration of his mystery. All power comes from God. God is the source of all power. And he gives his children a certain amount 
of power. John 16, 8 through 13, referring to the whole, I hope you're writing some of this down. I hope you're getting it. I know you got like photographic memories, but you want to maybe jot some of this stuff down. You should start treating some of these things as if you have to teach it tomorrow. The problem is we don't have to teach it tomorrow because we're not evangelizing and telling anybody about Jesus. Generally speaking, all right, John 16, 8 through 13. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regards to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regards to righteousness, because I'm not going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And by the way, if you are evangelized, if you are telling other people, if you are living a righteous life, I great. But from what I see around the world, and I see the problems that we're having in this world, for the most, for the majority, we ain't doing it. And the church is failing miserably, guys. Come on. You all know that. So I want to be careful that I'm not going, you, you, you. I'm... You got it? Yes. Uh, it, it... Got it. Okay. Because sometimes when you preach and you get carried away, you might harm someone in the process. I've known to kick people in the shin. But I don't mean to do it. Sometimes I do, right? right. Sometimes, I do. Sometimes we all need a little kick to wake us up. We're sleeping. It's time for us to awaken for the church, especially the church in America. Yeah. We need to do something to awaken the sleeping giant. And if it's not the church, who is it? Right. Woke up or wake up? Yeah. Tomorrow you'll figure that out. In regards to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you see me no longer. In regards to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say on this. More than you can even bear right now. Man, this guy was a beast. Amazing how he talks. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak his own words. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. A Christian's power comes from God and enables to him to or her to endure suffering and is perfected in his weakness. Second Corinthians 12 through 9. Or, or, chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in results, in, in, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And this list goes on. There's power in prayer. There's power to do ministry. There's power beyond comprehension, and it all works through us, and uh, in us, and through us. God is using us. And it wants to display his power in us. Ephesians 1, 18 through 21. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is, is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but in the, in the, also in the one to come. God's power works in us and through us. All power comes from God. God is the source of all power, and he gives his children a certain amount of power. What will you do with that power? What will you do 
if you get more power. Well, Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will. This will happen. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the other ends of the earth. So we already know that at salvation you receive Holy Spirit. But at the Spirit baptism we receive the power of God. A better way to say it is more, more, more of God comes our way. Now you don't get more of the Spirit. Let me just be clear here. You don't get more of the Spirit. You don't get half the Spirit at salvation. You don't get two-thirds of the Spirit at salvation. You don't get more of the Spirit over time. Like you're either saved or you're not. You're either born again or you're not. You understand that? You get 100% Holy Spirit. There's no middle ground here. At salvation, you get Holy Spirit. At salvation, you are immediately born again. But there's more to come after salvation. There's more power that's going to be released. There's more understanding that's going to come your way. There's more knowledge. There's more things that you have to learn. There's more things that you're going to do, right? There's no middle ground here. But there is more to come. And I say that often, that at salvation, it's the beginning. Not the end. It's the beginning of your journey with God Almighty. It's the beginning of the journey. It's the beginning of it. And it's beginning more to come, more to come. But you have to yield more to the Holy Spirit. You need to be involved in the process. And in that, you believe and obey and you follow God's words. During the baptism in the Holy Spirit, or what you might call spirit baptism, you gain more power. You will receive power. Holy Spirit comes upon you. He will help you. To witness. He will help you be a better witness. As you surrender more of your life to God. You get more power. As you bask more in his presence. And draw closer to God. He draws closer to you. And your power will increase. And if it's not. Spend more time. Seek him more. And what's this power for again? For works of service. To combat sin in your life. To, to be a better witness, to, to go deeper in your love relationship with God, to worship God in a greater way, in a greater measure. Church, seeking the spirit baptism, listen up, is not seeking tongues. I can't say it any clearer. It's not seeking tongues. It's seeking the baptizer. It's seeking the great baptizer. And who is that? Jesus Christ is the great baptizer. We are surrendering more of ourselves to Jesus Christ, the great baptizer. You are surrendering more of your life over to him. You say, I surrender little. No, it's I surrender all. But we all know we don't surrender our all. We are a living sacrifice. And the problem with a living sacrifice is that when we go on the altar as a living sacrifice, we crawl off. We don't die to ourselves. We don't lay it all out. We're worried about everyone else and what they're going to say. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life, for godliness, through our knowledge of Him who's called us by His own glory and goodness. We need the power of God to live a fruitful and productive life. The problem is people fear the spirit baptism, or they deny it, or they don't, uh, or they don't understand it, or or they just say it's simply not for us today. Now let me say this: the Holy Spirit is not a mystical force or some random power from God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is divine. The Holy Spirit is a person who feels, who thinks, 
has emotion. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can deny the Holy Spirit. You can reject the Holy Spirit. You can reject His voice, reject His power and, and, and what He wants to do. And, and, and in a sense, He has given you free will to reject Him. You can choose not to surrender your life to Him. You can reject Jesus. You can deny His truth. You can deny that He actually resurrected. And you can lie and do your own things. But there will be consequences for our wrong actions. There will be consequences for our lack of discipline. There will be consequences for our lack of faith and understanding and, and, our, and, our, and our disbelief. Acts 5 is a very interesting New, New Testament story. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. I love those details. He kept back a part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Peter being full of the Holy Spirit, I believe, Peter said, Ananias, how is that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't that money at your disposal? What made you think in doing such a thing? You have not lied to us. You have not lied to man. You have not lied to the church. But you lied to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And a great fear seized all who heard what has happened. And about three hours later, by, uh, by then, his wife comes by. She tells the same exact story because they were in cahoots. They were one and they were going to do this together. She dropped dead as well. What's interesting about this story, God blessed this couple with money, with wealth, with land, with resources, with a, with a church. And while it, it truly belonged to God, because everything we owns belongs to God, God allowed them to steward that property and to sell it and they had the freedom to do that, but they lied to the apostles. They held back a portion of that money and abused their relationship and abused the freedom that they had. The Bible doesn't credit it with them lying to the apostles again, but lying to God. What we do in secret, right, will be seen by God if it's not seen by men. And we had an amazing, I can't even go into details on this right now, about private life and secret sins and things that we're doing in private will be revealed. Men of God know this because we, were, we had a, a great um, meeting over the weekend. But I'll just say this, it will be seen by God if nobody else. So be faithful with whatever you have and he will bless you. But they held back their resource and they lied about it. And again, that is why Malachi, I believe, chapter 3 says, you robbed me in your tithe and your offering. And saying, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, I don't know who's robbing God. I'm not checking that. I don't know if you're holding back what, what he asked us to do. It's so many other things. It's so way more than finances, by the way. But what I do know, God sees all things. God sees your heart. He knows all things and he knows your heart. And he knows your intentions. And while they thought they might have been uh, getting over on the church, and, um, which is God's bride, they, they weren't pulling the wool over the groom, which is Christ Jesus himself. And this couple was judged and killed on the spot. We must take the things of God seriously. Yes. By the way, communion also, take it seriously. The Bible says that's why some are sick and die. We have to take God's words seriously. The fear of God, the fear of a holy God. 
must, must be in our heart. There's power in his name. There's power in the Holy Spirit to convict us. But if we choose to deny his power, we sin. And there will be consequences for our actions. And get this, for our inactions. It's not always what you do. Sometimes it's what you don't do. We know that the Holy Spirit empowers us for works of service to witness. But the power in, in chapter 1 comes after salvation. You need to hear that. In Acts chapter 1, it's after the resurrection of Christ. Jesus appeared to the men, uh, to, the, to the people over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, uh, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Acts 1, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now remember, this is according to John 20, verse 22 as well, because Jesus already breathed on them. So they're already Christians, right? They already received the Holy Spirit. Prior to this, they were already Christians at this time. John 20, verse 22, he breathed on them. And yet Jesus is telling them for something else, wait for the promise. That means there's more to come after salvation. It's so clear to me in scripture, more to come. They already had the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. They already had a certain amount of power for the Spirit, but more was coming their way because Jesus promised it. And if Jesus promises something, I believe he will deliver on that something. It's going to allow them to witness. The Holy Spirit power is going to allow them to combat sin in their life. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to give them sweeter worship and praise unto God. Again, the power is explosive power. Deutimus power. Dynamite power. When you receive power, you start to become a world changer. You start to become a creator proclaimer. And that'll preach. Because you have to have the courage to go beyond your house. And you have to have the courage to go beyond the church walls. And we need to go out to the streets and the marketplace, bringing with you his glory, telling his story, using his gifts and ability, but operating in the authority and the power of God. Amen. Too many leaders, ministers, people, families, they're operating in the flesh. So they're operating in the Spirit of God. But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of earth. God's all-sustaining power is at work in us and through us and comes upon us. And when you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in us. When we are baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We are immersed in Him. We, what is inside of us is now on the operation as well. On the outside of us, we're being dipped in a sense, in a pool, being totally immersed, right? Immersed in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This word baptismo, this Greek word baptismo means to immerse, to submerge, to dip, to dunk, to, to go down under. And as we live and witness, we are to immerse ourselves in the things of God. We are to get soaking wet for Jesus. Amen. Now, people fear the spirit of baptism. They say things like, I don't want to be out of control. I get that. Now, I, I, I got to be careful here, but, but I know many of you have probably seen the John MacArthur highlight reels of the people who claim to be fake, phony frauds in the church. And I would say, sure, a lot of them are. There's a counterfeit spirit out there for sure. There are many, many frauds and counterfeits out there. But if we have a counterfeit... I do believe that we also have a real thing. Amen. I do believe that in my heart. And the danger of saying that miracles are not for today or not for the church or God doesn't speak to anyone anymore or the Spirit 
can't move like he did during the early church. Or that was just for them then and not for us today. It's very dangerous and it limits what God wants to do through us and through his church and through his people today. And so I love a lot of things that John MacArthur says. And I know I'm calling him out. I'm probably going to chill because he's so much smarter than me. Um, but there's so much I don't like that he says, especially when he speaks or he makes fun of other Christians and leaders. And he would say they're not maybe Christians and leaders so I can make fun of them. I, I don't know what he would say. Or when he denies the power of God's work in the life of the believer today, it almost seems like, in a sense, he's God judging them, the motives and intentions of his heart. And so I cringe when he denies the spirit power for today or says that God can't or won't give any revelation. I want you to hear that word, revelation for today. But I ask you this, and listen up carefully, when did the heavens stop declaring God's glory? When did it stop proclaiming the works of his hands? And the Bible says in, in Psalms 19 verse 2, day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. Church, I believe this in my core throughout the book of Acts. We have seen the power of God being displayed in many ways. We've seen many miracles taking place over a period of over 30 years. I believe God's not done with his church. I believe his power is to be released. I believe God is not done speaking to us, but he's no longer adding to scripture. He's, the canon of scripture is closed. The 66 books, we are not adding to it. But God still speaks today in various ways. I believe that. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles were not out of control. They were not out of their mind. They were not drunk. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fires that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And who was in that upper room, right? Joining in, in prayer and praise about 120 people. This empowerment, this spirit baptism wasn't just for the 12 apostles. You need to understand that. But, but along with them were women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and about 120 people in that upper room. And Peter explains this very carefully what is happening in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Then Peter stands up, Acts 2, 14, stands up with the 11 and raised the voice, his voice, and addressed the crowd, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the emboldness of the, of the power of God. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Highlight that. Bing, bing, bing. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God spoke, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood. I wonder, did that happen yet? Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone right now who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Hallelujah. You receive him by faith. Oh, just call out to him and say, Jesus, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Hallelujah. Now, church, I want to listen to you real close. I want you to listen to me, I should say, real closely in the next few moments. Peter is very clearly explaining 
what just happened. It's not Old Testament, it's New Testament. Those in the upper room, those who are dwelling and lingering in the presence of God, those who are lingering in prayer and obedience, those in the church that are in obedience and oneness with God, all were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Someone asked me yesterday, is the Spirit baptism for all believers? The answer is yes, it is. Amen. All Spirit-filled all spirit believers should be baptized in the Spirit. Now, I don't want to get into second-class citizens. Just reject that thought. I'm just saying have whatever God wants you to have and wait as long as it takes to wait and seek Him until you get your answer or you're in glory or He says no and He will not violate His own words. They were already saved. These men and women were already saved prior to this time. Now they're spirit baptized. Peter is saying, don't fear this baptism. Don't fear the Holy Spirit baptism. Don't think these people were drunk either. But this is what the prophet Joel said will happen in the last days. Peter is saying, we are right now living in the last days. And, it's, and then he continues to explain this. It leads up to Christ's return which hasn't happened yet. If it hasn't happened yet, we're still living in these last days. <clears throat> Don't let the John MacArthur's of these days tell you these, that this has ceased, that this has stopped. If there's, I, there's so many things that he says is great, but I reject this teaching. I am not a sensationist at all. Read your scripture. People, Peter is explaining this so clearly to us. The process, the Holy Spirit is for us today. The empowerment for today. The spirit baptism is for today. It takes place after salvation. It wasn't just for a short time period. It wasn't just for the apostles. It wasn't just for the 12, the 120 in the upper room. It wasn't just for the disciples of that day. It's for all disciples of Jesus Christ. That means it's for us today and tomorrow and the next day until Jesus returns. Hallelujah. It will continue to be for us right up to the second coming and until that great and notable day of the Lord. We need to stop believing in some of the, what the naysayers are saying and start receiving what the King of Kings tells us to receive. Yeah. Don't fear His Spirit. Don't think you'll be out of control. Don't think it's demonic and His Spirit empowerment is for us today for witnessing. And throughout the Bible we see people we see the, the Holy Spirit falling on people and moving them to action, but they're not out of control. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14, verse, verses 30 through 32, you might want to write that down. And if a revelation comes, he's talking to the, to the church, the Corinthian church, and someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be in, in, instructed and encouraged. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. It's important to get that. Paul encourages us to prophesy. Paul encourages us to be spirit-filled. And I believe, in fact, that Paul spoke in tongues daily. He says, I spoke in tongues more than all of you. And now, can people fake tongues? Absolutely. Can they fake spiritual things? Yeah. Can they fake being a Christian? Absolutely. But again, I don't worry all the time about what someone else is doing when I'm looking for God to do something in my life. Yeah. 
Jesus says in Matthew 7, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And who knocks, who seeks, finds. And to him who, who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to do, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you give good gifts to those who ask for him? And the answer is much more. God will give you much more. Wait in his presence. Bask in his presence. He says, wait, wait. He says, go, go. He says, stop, stop. He says, make a left, make a left. Don't fear the power. Don't fear the spirit baptism. Don't deny the truth of God's word, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The psalmist speaks about his soul thirsting for God, longing for God. Have seen you in the sanctuary. Behold your power and glory. As we believe in our hearts and we learn how to linger in his presence. We must learn how to linger in his presence. And wait on the Lord. He will pour out gifts on us. I believe that. We need to learn how to pray and praise and sing and rejoice in spirit and in truth. Surrendering our will to his we trust him and as we trust him he'll release more power and more gifts on us in our home in our community through us jesus said wait for my gift the father promised which you have heard me speak about for john baptized in water but in a few days you will be baptized in the holy spirit i say to you seek more of jesus seek more of his presence jesus is the great baptizer you're not seeking tongues which is initial sign or a initial sign of the baptism, however you want to say it, you're seeking the baptizer. Jesus is the great baptizer. You're seeking Jesus. He tells us, commands us in a sense, wait. So we ought to wait. We ought to wait. Expect the gift. Ask for the gift. Wait for the gift. Don't fear his gift. And regardless if it takes hours or days or weeks before you receive any gift from God, before you receive more power, you keep seeking more of God. And whatever he has for you, Jesus, fill me. Jesus, touch me. Jesus, I want every gift that you have for me. You keep pressing in. You keep believing. You keep praying. You keep waiting in his, in his presence. Allow faith to arise in you. Watch the heaven's gates open up and his glory come down. We must remain plugged in to God. Like a cell phone in a sense, the more you use it, the more it's unplugged and the more you use it, the more it's drained and the batteries and the power starts dying out. The more it sits on the shelf unplugged, power starts to leak out. We need to stay plugged into his word. We need to stay plugged into the word to worship, to praise, into the vine, be attached to the vine. Power up church in the things of God to be utilized for him. And when the spirit broke out on the day of Pentecost, the people were united in prayer. They were united in one accord together, whether it was at an altar or in a circle or on a roof or in a room. It's not important. It led them to more worship and praising God. That was the end result. And glorifying God and declaring the wonderful works of God in various languages as 
known, and I would add unknown as well. And the people who heard this saw, and they were amazed. When is the last time the people saw the church and were amazed? Maybe Asbury recently. But I want, I, I want the power of God to be displayed here. I want the move of God to be moved here. I want to see signs and wonders here. And when you see salvations and when you see changed life, you know that the power of God is being released. And so we believe God's words and promises in these last days. God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Are we living in these last days? Yes, we are. So these altars are open, church. Spend some time in his presence. Kneel in his presence. Walk around in his presence. Surrender more of your life to him. Then join us again tonight. We're going to have percent of prayer tonight as we continue to pray. At 7 o'clock, we'll, we'll be here. As we continue to pray and believe for a spirit, a spirit baptism, for his power. We're going to be praying for power, for power to be released in our homes, for power to be released in this house through people and through lingering at the altars in times of prayer in one accord believing for an outpouring tonight i mean so even now let's just stand let's give god glory let's stop believing that there is power in the name of jesus there is power and come on church you can give a better applause than that you know there's power in the name of jesus let's sing about power Jesus. 